All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to church. How's everyone doing? Doing all right? Yeah. I want to welcome all of our campuses, the Mudsock campus, Bluffton campus, everyone watching online. My name is Brennan. I'm the worship pastor here. So usually I take stage a little earlier, earlier than this, but Pastor Dave is preaching down in Tulsa. So he asked me to, uh, to take over this Palm Sunday. He's preaching at his uh, college basketball team's chaplain's church, the church that he pastors down there. So they're being blessed with him. You're stuck with me. So we're going to have, have some good time studying Jesus as we've been in this series for some time. Easter's coming up. That's exciting stuff. Yesterday was April Fool's Day. And I don't know what happened over the past year, but I've got two kids, a seven, or it's not a seven, she just turned eight, eight and six-year-olds. And they're awesome, great little girls. My eight-year-old watches too much America's Funniest Home videos. <laughs> Expert in pranks now. And so she was looking forward to it leading up. She was, I, I saw her asking Siri, you know, good pranks for April Fool's uh, leading up. So I knew we were in for a doozy yesterday. And I, uh, I came out of my office at one point in the day, and I could hear stuff happening. Uh, I came out of my office, and I, I could hear, like, tape, like, thick tape. Felt, it kind of sounded like duct tape, but it was, I came to find a little bit later, it was not. I opened up my door, and... I hit my ankles on this super strong clear tape. I was wearing shorts, which is nice. And so I don't shave my legs, as you might imagine. So that was very painful prank. She actually got me. It was pretty good. It was a great start to the day. So I go out. She, she's then, hey, will you get, uh, Lennox is my youngest, will you get Lennox and I some cereal? And it's like, you're fully capable of doing this on your own. But then I could see it in her eye like she's got a plan while I'm distracted. So I'm like taking the cereal box down and I'm making sure nothing's on, going on with that and everything's fine. And I just see her kind of run away. <laughs> and then she comes back and she has whipped cream in her hand, like a, just, that, just putting it in the fridge. Like, you have no idea. You know, I don't know what she was thinking, but I, now I'm suspicious. So then I go back to my office and I see whipped cream is all over my chair. <laughs> but it's like a dark leather chair that is clearly, you can see the whipped cream on it, but I am like, I gotta be a good sport. So I'm gonna pretend like I don't see it, and I sit down on it, and I'm like, oh, Cadence, what are you doing? And she's like, I gotcha, April Fools. And so these are the things that were happening all week. I've got whipped cream all over my backside, and she thinks it's the best. Like she's, oh, we should videotape this. It could have gone on AFV for sure. And so, I uh, actually, the whole day she's doing these things and she's getting uh, Heather, her mother, and I over and over again. Most of them we kind of saw coming. But then my youngest, who is six, is like, I'm going to get in on this. And so she she's like, comes behind the, the couch where I'm sitting and she's got a water like spray bottle. And she just comes right over to my face and just bang, 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 bang. <laughs> <laughs> caught off guard, like a, whoa, what are you doing? She's like, April Fool's. And I was, <laughs> so that was how my day went yesterday as I was preparing for today. Um, but that's kind of their personalities. It's always nice. But we have been in a series called The Four Wounds of the Cross, which is kind of why I wanted to start 
the message off with a story of something a little lighthearted because what we're going to talk about today is not lighthearted as we're leading up to the suffering and the death of our Savior. We've been studying out of a scripture uh, called uh, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And his, by his wounds, we are healed. So as we've been studying Jesus' final hours, we know that he was betrayed by one of his disciples, closest friend in the garden. I can only imagine the pain right off the bat, what that felt for him. Betrayed by a close friend. He then stood trial several times, six times to be exact. And ultimately, he's then sentenced to execution by crucifixion. I would imagine that was quite fearful for him to hear, even though he knows, he's known going into this. So I'll recap just a little bit of what we've learned the last two weeks to catch you up if you haven't been here. But I think it's important for us to study his final hours, as hard as it may be to walk through it knowing the suffering that he had to go through. So Roman guard took him to the city center where he was then flogged, as Pastor Dave talked about a couple weeks ago. The whip would have been embedded with bone and glass designed to rip the flesh off of his back and his sides, his shoulders. They would have done this in the city center to humiliate him as he's being brutally tortured. Some say that he would have possibly had even organs exposed with the, 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 the deepness of these wounds that he endured. How horrible is that? It was such a brutal form of torture that it was illegal for Roman citizens to be put through it. So they wouldn't even allow it to happen to the worst of their own, but they did to our Jesus. These wounds that he endured, as we learned two weeks ago, was there to purchase our healing. He went through it so that we could be healed. Then the Roman guard took Jesus into the praetorium, which is kind of the headquarters for their military. And there he was then found by tons of Roman soldiers that were there to mock him, to humiliate him, to spit on him, call him names, to pretend to bow to him, only to mock him and place a crown of thorns on his head. As Pastor Dave talked last week, it wasn't just placed on his head with these long, thick thorns, but it was placed on his head and then it was beat into his head with a wooden staff. Theologians say that that would have gone on for hours with the amount of Roman soldiers that would have wanted to partake in being a part of this torturous experience. I can't imagine the pain that he was going through as those thorns went through his scalp. Doctors say that the hemorrhaging that would have been caused by all of that would have been massive around the brain causing the migraine of all migraines. They say that he went through that for us to have peace. He purchased our peace by going through all of those things. 
And that's important for all of us humans, even Christians, that deal with fear and anxiety on a day-to-day basis. He wanted to purchase our peace. It's gruesome, but it's important for us to study his death. Because we don't follow a wimpy savior. He's tough. He's strong. He endured all these things that many say that sometimes you're going through, any, even just the flogging alone could kill many men weaker. He was so badly beaten that Jesus is barely recognizable as a man at this point. So you can imagine the pain that he's going through. And now at this point, we pick up the story where the Roman guard would place the cross beam of the cross across his shoulders for him to carry. They say he wouldn't have carried the entire cross. That would have been upwards of 300 pounds. So this cross beam would be anywhere from 75 to 125 pounds, which would be very heavy to carry through a city on the shoulders that had been ripped apart by the flogging that he had endured just moments before. So he has to now walk through Jerusalem to just outside the walls of the city to a skull-shaped hill called Golgotha, which is the Aramaic word for skull. We know it in English as Calvary. So it's just on the outside of the city, and they do this on purpose because there'd be a lot of people passing by. They'd all see what Jesus is going through. They could all mock him and see him in this humiliating place in front of his mother, his followers, naked in front of everybody. What a horrible, horrible experience. Today we're going to talk about the part of the scripture that says he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. So they took these nails that would have been a lot like this here. They were five to seven inches long. And this is what they would use to nail Jesus to the cross. And they say that it would probably be going right through here in the wrist. And the Bible says that it goes through his hands. But in the Roman culture of that day, the hand was considered the forearm to the tips of the finger. So this is where the nail would go to be able to support the weight of his body on the cross. And they say that they would be putting it through this area, being very careful not to hit any main arteries or anything that would cause him to bleed too much. But it would sit in a very tender spot between bones so it could hold him up. And when those nails are in there and he's holding on like this, his then chest would cave in because his shoulders would come out of socket which is prophesied in Psalms with David as he's talking about this moment for our Savior. They would have another nail going through the feet or ankle of our Savior. This part, not just painful because it's a nail going through the body, but that nail would be there to support the body weight as they try to breathe. So if you're up there and your chest is sunken in, you have the risk of dying from suffocation. But our Savior would have to, with every bit of strength that he has left, push himself up on the nails through the feet or ankles so that he could get a breath. 
over and over and over again. Can you imagine the pain that Jesus was in every time he had to do that? He has all the wounds on his back that he's now scraping up and then back down again on the bark of the wood. What a horrible, painful death that he went through for all of us. The Bible says that he was pierced for our transgressions. So if you're taking notes, the name of this message is He was pierced and crushed. I am forgiven and free. He wants to bring forgiveness and freedom to all the dead or dying areas of our life. He wants to bring us back to life in those areas that we continue to maybe put ourselves through death on our own. Here's our condition before Christ. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. So our sinful nature, we are all sinful. We do dumb things that if we're left to our own, we're going to eventually continue to make decisions that will be an end to our, and be our destruction. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of, all of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. What the Bible is saying here in Colossians is that they pierced his skin and that's giving us the opportunity and the power to experience God's resurrection in every area of our life that needs it. A lot of times when we think of death, we think physical death. But I think we as humans and many of us Christians are experiencing death on the inside. Emotional, financial, relational a lot of areas that we would love for Jesus to breathe life into, give us some freedom. You can be a Christ follower and still experience all these things. Jesus didn't go through all of this pain just so that we could be forgiven. No, he wanted us to be able to experience freedom so that we could experience life. Romans 8, Romans 8, 1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of the sin and death. So many of us have experienced law enforcement. Many of us have experienced uh, good experiences and some that were probably negative times in our life. I have one that's kind of right in the middle. I'm Canadian, I've told this story before, and I sometimes need to cross over the border to my homeland of Canada. And I took a friend with me one time. His name is Cameron. I was going to change his name for the story, but knew I would slip up and say it at some point in the story, so it's out there. And if he's watching, this would be a neat way to reunite. Um, I was going with my friend Cam. And Cam is a very introverted, very, very introverted person. And he can be very quiet and uncomfortable converse, or in uncomfortable situations. 
And I think that the border is that 100% of the time. There is something about driving up to the border that immediately makes you feel guilty of a crime. <laughs> immediately. I feel like a criminal. I don't know what it is, but you're just driving up. And you're just kind of, you're, you're taking your time, you're getting there, and it's a slow process a lot of times. And I'm trying to coach Cameron. Cameron, I know we've done nothing wrong. Tell the truth and say it with confidence when they ask you a question. It will happen because you're a grown man. And he's, he's like 20, maybe 20, 22. This is, a back, this is back a long time ago. Um, and so we're going up there. We get to the border, and I'm trying to coach him. And it's our turn now. Adrenaline's going. Like, oh, boy. All right. This is, this is good stuff. So I'm, I'm confidently going through. I give them my, our passports. I'm answering questions. It's going great. But I still have this fear because I'm not the last one to speak. Cameron is still yet to talk. So the border patrolman looks in. He's like, you, son, what do you do? Nothing. <laughs> All right. Okay, do you, do you have a job? No, sir. He does. He has a job. So now he's lying, but it's not helping. Are you a student? No, sir. He's in his third year of college. Yeah. So again, just lying, but it's not helping. It's not like, oh, okay, great. This person has no job, doesn't go to school, has no explanation for who he is at all. So, of course... We get flagged down, and we're like, all right, we're gonna, you guys are going to go over there for more inter interrogation. It's going to be a little bit more intense, but have fun with that, guys, weirdos. And then we go over there, and of course, they search our vehicle. They take us to rooms, and they interrogate us, asking us questions. They truly think something's up. But I don't know what Cam did in that room, but we were free to leave. It was incredible. Uh, he must have just pulled it together. And so we got the, hey, you're good to go. Sorry for the inconvenience. Have a great visit in Canada, and we'll see you soon. So we get in the car, and we're just like, yes, Cam, I don't know what you did, but you rocked it. And I'm driving, and I'm high-fiving him. And I was like, all right, this is going to be a great visit. It's a lot easier to get back into the States, um, you know, coming back the other way once we're just here for a short visit. It's going to be great. And I look up and I accidentally drove back into the United States instead of into Canada. <laughs> and I realize at that moment I'm going to have to actually go through this again. But way worse, how am I supposed to explain what just happened? Like we just, we already did this like about seven minutes ago. I went the wrong way back over, but like I promise, I promise we were given permission to come into here. And I couldn't finish the sentence and the guy's like, bro, you couldn't be making this up. Just go ahead if you've been given, like, yeah, enjoy your stay in Canada. Like, can't make this stuff up. I do think it's a good picture, though, because I, I get distracted oftentimes, and I, I might end up going back to something I've already been freed from. God's freed me from so much. Jesus' wounds freed me so, from so much. But I might find myself going back to the same place that I've been. The beautiful thing is about our Savior is that he didn't just do it for one little mistake for us. 
He's going to do it over and over again. It's not saying that sin is good. God hates sin, but he loves us. And he will do it again and would continue to do it again for us. So we might find ourselves in position that we're not excited about. We don't know why we keep going back there, but our God is there to help us through it. I have three things that I believe we can do to help us experience the benefits that Jesus gave us and paid for on the cross. If you want to experience a life of freedom, I think the first thing that we need to do is admit that we need help. If you're taking notes, you can jot that down. Admit that you need help. You have to see it about yourself. You have to see that we have a problem. And I think we as Christians a lot of times feel like I'm a good person. I do good things. I live a good life. I've got good character. I'm a good parent. I'm a good friend. I'm a good person. And the truth is, you're not a good person. I'm not a good person. None of us are good people. That's just not who we are. We are born from a sinful nature. So we do need God. And until we recognize that we are imperfect, we'll never see a reason to need a Savior. Because we're already that for ourselves. It's important for us to recognize that we need help. Psalm 51 For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So, parents, especially new parents, already know this that we are sinful at birth. We don't come out good. Think about it. If you have not, maybe, you, maybe this is a long season ago for you, but I think you can probably remember that your newborn baby was not good. <laughs> not good at birth. Mm-mm. If you don't have kids and you've never had to babysit a newborn then ask your parents. They're going to tell you you were bad. You were, a bad, you were ba- born bad. You are born bad. Unfortunately, it's our sinful nature. It's who, who we are. We're born bad. The nice thing about it is that although we all deserve death, Jesus paid the price for our sins. I believe we all have to make a decision. We can either choose to pay for our own sins by spending eternity in hell, or we can allow Jesus to have been our substitute for death and and spend eternity with him in heaven. Allow him to have paid the price for our death. We've got that choice. I believe that this is one of the best scriptures in the Bible. It's very straightforward. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, he is faithful and just. The Greek word for confess is homologeo. Homo meaning same. Legeo to speak. So if we confess, we aren't telling God something he doesn't know. 
we're speaking the same as he's already spoke. When we confess to him, we aren't surprising him with, wait, you did what? Like he knows what we've done. So our confessions aren't coming to him and admitting something he doesn't know. We're coming into agreement with, one, with him. We're lining ourselves up with what he says. Basically, confession is saying, God, I was wrong. You were right. I'm sorry for doing it my way. That's confession. So if we speak the same as God calling sin, sin, and turning from that path, then the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how it works. He's more faithful to forgive than we are to sin. I've heard Pastor Dave say that time and time again, and I love the truth behind it. This isn't a one-time thing, though. This is a every morning waking up, have some time to confess our sins to our God. Every morning getting up saying, I've done it wrong. I know that I continue to do it wrong. I know that I may continue to do the same thing wrong again today without even knowing it. But I'm confessing to you because you already know. And I'm committing to you that I will turn my ways. We just have to admit that we need God and we need his help. And we do that with confession. Number two, if you want to experience life, a life of freedom, then go ahead and write this one down. Accept God's forgiveness. We've got to accept the forgiveness that God has for us. For some of us, this sounds a little weird, but I also think there's many of us in this room and at our campuses and online that this is a very hard thing to do. I think we have a hard time understanding our Heavenly Father's character. We have a hard time understanding that He is all-knowing, all-loving, all-caring, always, all the time. I think we sometimes compare God to a really good person or us on our very best day, the day that we're the most gracious, we're the most loving, we're the most amazing parents or children, we're the best version of ourselves. And we compare God saying that's who he is all the time. But he's so much bigger than that. It's so much better than that. It can't compare to us in any way. He's so much bigger than us. So we can't hold him to the same standards that we hold ourselves, which would make it hard for us to accept his forgiveness sometimes. But there's nothing that we can do that can separate ourselves from his love. He's not mad. That's a religious lie that God is mad at us. He loves us. God's vengeance was satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what we're talking about today. Thank you, God. He does not hold grudges. I'm not one to really hold a grudge either. But I do have one. I have one, I think, worth bringing up. And one I need to work on in front of everybody. <laughs> Met my wife uh, now 17 years ago. And 17 years ago, I was uh, touring in my band and I met her out in California, Southern California, I saw my wife, and I thought she was beautiful. But as a grown man, I was too insecure to talk to her. 
And so I wouldn't go up to her. I just, I went to, uh, I told one of our crew members, I was like, hey, there's this really beautiful woman over there. He's like, go talk to her. And I was like, no, I'm a grown man and that's scary. And so I didn't, but he took it upon himself to go and talk to her and invite her to uh, hang out, talk. Like, uh, we were the last band that day, and she proceeded to say, well, I'm actually uh, leaving after this band, which is the band right before our band. And he's like, well, you should stick around for this uh, last band. And she's like, why? Well, because the guy that I'm talking about, he's in that band, and he, he wants to meet you after. So I... Uh, Finished the show. She decided to stay. And I went up and I got to hang out with her. We went to In-N-Out Burger. For many of you that know In-N-Out Burger, yum. <laughs> no. They don't, they don't have those out here, but they're really, it's really good. So we went to In-N-Out Burger, and that part of the story doesn't matter at all. But I wasted <laughs> 10 seconds on it. And on our way over to In-N-Out Burger, I said to Heather, I was like, what, why were you leaving? Why were you going to leave Like before my band played. Like, she's like, you really want to know the answer? I was like, I, like, I was more confident when I first asked, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, just tell me, you know, tell me. She's like, all my friends say that your band's super overrated. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so my confidence is like through the roof. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, your friends aren't wrong. You know, they're pretty <laughs> underrated, in my, my opinion, your friends are. Um, <laughs> And I've actually held a grudge against every friend of hers from California <laughs> to this point. Think about that moment. They weren't wrong, um, but it still hurt, you know. I have this grudge. I got over it a long time ago. But our God doesn't hold grudges. Micah 7:18 says, Who is a God like you? who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Wow. He doesn't stay angry. He delights to show mercy. Does God hate sin? Yes, of course. Does he hate you or me? No, not at all. In fact, he delights in showing us mercy. Think about it this way. Would it make any sense for Jesus to have endured all the pain, all the torture, that excruciating death? Would he have done all of that just to make us feel worse for the things that we've done? No, he wants to give us away. He came to help. He came to help. John 3.16 tells us, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it is. No, he came to help. Someone bring the spear. The spear was uh, called a pillum. This is what they used to pierce Jesus' side. And we got an actual Roman soldier. <laughs> I 
told him I wasn't going to do that. <clears throat> a pillow is said to have been about six and a half feet long. So a little shorter than this one. Just kidding. Six and a half feet. This is just a little under. Um, but pretty accurate as to the rest of the description that I could find. That this piece here would be about two feet long in length. The interesting thing about the spear that the Roman guard used is that they came out and they actually, the two other people that were, that were being crucified alongside Jesus, they hadn't died yet. And so the guards, out of an act of graciousness, broke the legs of those two so that they would, in fact, die faster of suffocation. They came to Jesus, and Jesus was already dead. So then the Bible says that that Roman soldier grabbed the spear and went in through his side under his ribs to confirm his death. And when he brought the pillum out, water and blood came out. The doctors that have examined this have, have talked about the fact that all of this crazy stress on the heart, obviously the heart trying to work overtime, would have been severe in the amount. And doctors said that in the case of severe stress on the heart, it can cause it to explode. Meaning, we know that Jesus didn't die of suffocation. But we know that his heart was broken. That his heart exploded. Jesus went through all of this carrying the weight of the world. And he died of a broken heart in the end. This brings us back to the original text. Isaiah 53, 5, he was crushed for our iniquities. The word iniquities in this verse means the sin and then the guilt that follows the sin, the shame. So he didn't just die so that we could be forgiven, but he died so that we could be free from that guilt and that shame. So not only do we need to recognize that we need his help, Do we need, to, we need to also accept his forgiveness? But thirdly, we must forgive ourselves. One of the, uh, the greatest areas that bring death to our lives is the fact that we hold on to that guilt, we hold on to the shame. And we experience death in a whole new way or we just continue to because we don't, ex we don't forgive ourselves. We think that God doesn't want to be in relationship with us or he certainly doesn't want to be close to us. But the thing is, he sent his one and only son to be exactly that for you, to be in relationship with you. Psalm 103 10 through 12. 
He does not treat us as our our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He has removed those stains so we don't have to live with that guilt. Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. God is saying, but I want to do something new in your life. Most of the people that God used in Scripture had gone through incredibly terrible things in their life. They had committed horrible moral failures. And God used them so that he could show us that he can use anybody and everyone. Breaks my heart to think that people think that they've done something that would cause an unconditional love to be broken, and it just cannot. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we close service today, I know that there are many people in this room at all our campuses watching online that have never actually taken the step to have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe that's because of guilt or shame that have made you feel like you are not worthy. The thing is, none of us are, but Jesus paid the price for us so that we could be in relationship with him. I think it's important for those of you that don't know Christ Jesus, and that's why we've just learned that he did all of this so that he could be available to you. He wants to. You are the reason he did it. So at all of our campuses, those watching online, if you want to, because you know you need to, but if you want to, Make a decision to follow Christ today. This is that moment. What I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up so I know that you want to be counted in a, in a prayer that I'm going to pray, asking Jesus into your life. So if that's you today, you've been holding off for too long, living in the past, we can get rid of all of that. If that's you today, the count of three, I want you to raise your hand up so I can see. One, two, three. One, all over the room. Good job. Good job. It's not too late. All right, go ahead and put your hands down at all campuses. I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. Prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it in your heart. Just mean it. God, I need you in my life. God, I'm sorry for the things that I have done, the ways that I have strayed away from you. God, forgive me of my sins. Make me white as snow. Make me brand new. Now just invite him into your heart. Just say, God, come into my heart. I want to make you number one. In Jesus' name. And for every single person at every campus watching online, you may be coming in here today holding on to the past. I want you to identify what that may be so that we can just get rid of that. We can accept the benefits of Christ today. Whatever it is that you've been holding on to, the thing that you're reliving in your life that's causing you to live in this place of death, and not accept the life that Jesus has paid the price for. 
Let's picture that as we pray this prayer. God, we just pray right now that we can get rid of the things of the past. We can start living in the present and in the future, knowing the good things that you have in store for us. God, we love you so much. Thank you for all that you have done, what you'll continue to do here as we go out into this week to celebrate a risen Savior this next weekend. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining iTown Church online today. We would love to have the chance to meet you and your family in person at one of our campuses. Or, of course, you can join us streaming live online this weekend. Now, for more details about times and locations and even some of our streaming options, you can go to itownchurch.com. I sure hope to see you soon. God bless.